evidence and answers. Our country is changing so rapidly. What happened to the nation of our forefathers? Where is God in all of this turmoil? Are we living in a nation that truly is blessed? Or is it a nation that God is judging? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on the show, Pat will share an important message entitled, A Nation God Judges. Here with this exciting study is our host, Pat Zukran. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. It's going to be a two-part series, Nation That God Will Judge, and part two, The Nation That God Will Bless. Okay, so first you get the bad news, but next week you get the good news. Sometimes the Bible, you have to preach the stuff that's very difficult to preach. A good Bible-teaching church like this one will preach not only messages that inspire and going to make you feel great, but also messages of warning that bring concern from God's Word. Read the prophets. Read the apostles. Often their messages, when you're done reading their books, you don't walk out of the room feeling so great. But they're truths that we need to address and need to hear. So part one today of this message is the nation that God will judge. And as we begin, let's pray together. Father, we pray we would heed the warning from your Word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, history shows us that nations and civilizations rise and they all eventually fall. In his book, The End of Christendom, Malcolm Muggeridge makes this powerful observation. He says this, I conclude that civilizations, like every other human creation, wax and wane. By the nature of the case, there can never be a lasting civilization, any more than there can be a lasting spring or lasting happiness in the individual life or lasting stability in a society. It's in the nature of man and all that he constructs to perish, and it must ever be so. The world is full of the debris of past civilizations and others are known to have existed, which have not left any debris behind them, but have just disappeared. History shows us nations fall not because they are conquered by a foreign power, but they commit their own suicide. History has also shown us that the average age of the great civilizations is about 200 years. Countries like Great Britain exceed the average, while countries like the United States have just passed that average age. Now, historians often attribute the collapse of a nation or a civilization to economic, political, or social factors. But ultimately, the reason is spiritual and is judgment impending. On our nation today? Are we the generation that will witness the demise and decline of our nation, or will it be our children who see that? Doesn't take long to realize that we are at an important crossroads in the history of our nation. Now, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32 outline the stages of a civilization or a culture's decline and eventual demise. Now the theme of the book of Roman is the righteousness of God and chapter 1 speaks of God's righteousness revealed in his judgment upon mankind and civilizations of mankind. And verses 18 through 32 presents not only the consequences of the original turning away from God, but Douglas Moo, who wrote one of the best commentaries on the book of Romans, states 
that this foolish turning away from God and reaping the consequences is repeated in every generation in the lives of individuals, but on nations and civilizations as well. And 18 through 32 explains the stages of decline and the inevitable downfall of civilizations here. And stage one begins with the rejection of God. When a civilization or nation rejects the authority of God, then that's a nation that has begun its decline. Verse 18, Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Stage one of a decline and eventual demise of a civilization begins with the rejection of God. Verses 18 through 20 states that creation every day points to a creator. Through creation, we can know that God exists and we can know some of the character qualities of God. Because creation every day is pointing to our creator and his divine character. Therefore, Paul says all men and women are without excuse. It's almost impossible to study the created world around us and not conclude there is a creator. The technology we have today with microbiology, we have discovered that the nucleus of a cell is as complex as the city of Shanghai. You would not assume a city like Shanghai came about by natural causes. We have discovered the DNA code is more complex and more precise than any other computer program that we have invented. You wouldn't assume the program from Microsoft Windows came about as a result of a monkey banging away on a computer keyboard. If you are on an island and you think it's deserted and you find a watch in the sand, what do you automatically assume? Do you assume the winds and the waves and the lightning brought together this watch? You'd automatically assume someone else is on this island because only an intelligent mind can put together something so complex and so specified. The human brain, we've yet to build a computer that can do what the human brain can do. It's an incredible machine. We have yet to create a robot that can do close to what the human body can do. Osimo is the closest thing the Honda engineers have come up with. And if you saw the robot Osimo out there in the parking lot, you wouldn't assume it came about by natural forces. You would assume some intelligent minds, plural, put that thing together. Osimo is the closest thing to human body. Billions of dollars have been spent by Honda on Osimo. And though it's an incredible machine, it can't do close to what the human body can do. If we don't assume those things were created by natural forces, how much more the creation and the things that we see around us. Creation points to a God. And Paul here says that the knowledge of God is known to all men, but all men reject that knowledge. He says here, they suppress the truth that they know that is within them. Now, Paul here, he says here, know that God exists. The word know there doesn't mean that men and women have a relationship with God. It means they're aware that God exists. The evidence is undeniable that there is indeed an intelligent creator out there, a God. 
but they suppress and reject that knowledge. And it says here, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The word futile there means to become vain, destitute of real wisdom, to be or act perversely or foolishly as a result. Darkened there means unable to understand and think clearly. So this doesn't mean that unsaved men and women cannot know any truth about God. It means that their ability to think accurately about God and the truths of God have been damaged and their view of reality and spirituality and morality have become twisted. And we would naturally expect that because truth finds its origin in God. Truth is not created here. Hey, modern philosophy teaches that what? We invent truth. We invent our reality. No, truth is what corresponds to reality. That's the definition of truth. We discover truth and conform to the truth that's outside of us. We don't invent our reality and create our truth. That's postmodern thinking. Truth is what corresponds to reality. It's seeing reality from God's view. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Truth finds its origin and is rooted and anchored in God himself. And once you reject God and the source of truth, well, naturally then your thinking will become twisted and distorted. So the beginning of a decline and self-destruction of a culture or civilization begins with the rejection of God. There's many reasons why God is absolutely essential to the welfare of a nation. For any free nation, like the United States, to be free and prosperous, God is absolutely the anchor and essential. One thing our founding fathers understood is what we call freedom's triangle. In order to have a free nation, a free people, you need a morally good people who can govern themselves and live ethically good lives and can govern themselves, all right? In order to have a good moral people, you need a universal, authoritative, objective, moral law. You can't have a moral law that's created by an individual or a culture. A moral law, a universal moral law, comes from a moral lawgiver, an absolute authority, God himself. That's why God is absolutely essential, the anchor for a free and prosperous nation. Our founding fathers understood that. That's why a democracy was able to thrive here in America and hasn't been able to in other nations because we had that understanding. And we had that Judeo-Christian belief in God and a universal moral law of God. And our presidents from Washington till modern-day presidents have always understood that and given us that warning. George Washington, in his farewell address given in 1796, said this, Of all disposition and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. He went on to say, And let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. You can't have an ethical system that's not rooted in a moral lawgiver, a moral God. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. John Adams stated this, 
Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Both men were saying you can't have a morally good people, a free people, a people, and our constitution is designed for a people who believe in a God and a universal moral law of God. That's foundational for our nation to be free and to thrive. Modern-day presidents, such as President Eisenhower, stated without God, there could be no American form of government nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first, the most basic expression of Americanism. Thus, the founding fathers of America saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. Ronald Reagan said this, And without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. And we see that throughout history. We see that in the Bible. Whenever the people of Israel turned away from God, that led to their eventual demise. More than ever, in our post-Christian culture now, we are in and have been for a long time in a post-Christian America. We must be able to present the case for the existence of God and the moral law of God. The battle against abortion, gay marriage, failing schools, teen pregnancies, they're important. But understand, they're the skirmishes. The real battle is the battle of worldviews, the Christian worldview and the worldviews that stand arrayed against it. If you want to change a culture, you've got to start with the worldview. That's where the battle is at. This is Quas' circle of influence here. He understood in order to change people, often we try to change the behavior, all right? Get rid of pornography, get rid of gambling, whatever it may be. But if you really want to change people's behaviors, you've got to change their value system. But in order to change their value system, you've got to change their core beliefs. And in order to change their beliefs, you've got to change their worldview. Does God exist or does he not exist? If God exists then there can be a word of God, there can be a son of God, there can be a moral, universal law of God by which we must abide. We cannot preach the word of God to a culture that rejects the very existence of God. So it's for this reason, the ability to demonstrate the existence of God is critical to winning the war of ideas and transforming our culture for Christ in the post-Christian times we find ourselves. So the decline of a civilization begins with the turning away from God. When you turn away from the source of truth, then what fills that void? Well, immediately you see a culture or a nation beginning to embrace false ideas and false religions. Verse 22 says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Now, the Greek word there for fools is moreno. Sound familiar? Moron. That's where it comes from. And claiming, thinking we're wise, we can throw away God, we became morons. Foolish. Meaning to make dull. To cause something to lose its taste or the very purpose for which it exists. The meaning and purpose of your life is found in the creator and what he created you for. 
you reject that, now you're living a lie. And you're chasing after dreams and living a life you probably you weren't designed and meant to live. As a result of rejecting God, people embrace idolatry and false religion and false ideas to fill that void. And Paul here, when he says idolatry, he's meaning putting some aspect of God's creation, whether it's animal or human or material objects in place of God. That's the essence of idolatry. And Paul records here the foolishness of people who are given the opportunity to enjoy the glory of the immortal and amazing God, but instead choose to worship mere idols and embrace false ideas that cannot fulfill the deepest longings or bring meaning to each of our lives and eternal life. So when we abandon God and the source of truth, then we're quickly deceived to embrace false images and ideologies to fill that void. And boy, do we have a host of them in our culture that our culture has embraced. Atheistic Darwinism that says the origin of life is purely the result of natural causes. No God or no creator. Now, even though they haven't proven their case, that remains the only viable theory that's allowed to be taught in many of our schools. And it cannot be challenged. But if God does not exist, what is the source of truth? It's me. I create truth. Or a culture creates their own truth. And it leads to relativism. No such thing as absolutes. Truth is different for each individual person. We create our own truth. And that leads to what? Moral relativism. Nobody can say anyone else's beliefs, values, or lifestyles is wrong. And that leads to one of the most dangerous ideas that our culture has embraced today, the new tolerance. Traditional tolerance says we disagree, but I won't throw you in jail or persecute you. But because we disagree, I'm going to practice tolerance and civility, but I'm willing to discuss and exchange ideas and debate the issue. And I want to persuade you to my side, and I expect you to persuade me to your side. And through the presentation of facts and reasoned arguments, we're going to come to what we believe is the truth here. That's traditional tolerance. New tolerance says, because there's no such thing as absolute truth, all values, lifestyles, and beliefs are equally valid and true. To say one's lifestyle or beliefs is harmful and dangerous and wrong, that's being intolerant. And that's the worst thing you can be in our culture today. It's one of the most dangerous ideas because we know if you stand for nothing... You'll fall for anything. And we've been warned a tolerant society that embraces this idea will be destroyed by the intolerance of those who will not tolerate them. And we see the consequences of this kind of dangerous ideology with our friends in Europe. Prime Minister David Cameron in 2011, shortly after taking office, gave what he believed was one of the most important speeches that he has ever given there. And he said this, the decades-old British policy of multiculturalism, the belief that all cultures, values, and lifestyles are valid and true and should be tolerated, has failed miserably. And now England and other European nations have become one of the largest breeding grounds for radical Islam. The policy has allowed Islamic militants leeway to radicalize young Muslims, some of whom went on to the next level by becoming terrorists, and that Europe could not defeat terrorism simply by the actions we take outside our borders with military actions like the war in Afghanistan. 
Europe needs to wake up to what is happening in our own countries, he said. We have to get to the root of the problem. David Cameron nailed it. And Angela Merkel and the French Prime Minister echoed his words of warning. He says, you cannot defeat radical Islam simply militarily with what we're doing in Afghanistan. You've got to defeat the ideology and these false ideas like the new tolerance and radical Islam. But if there is no God and there is no universal moral law, on what basis do you declare the ideas of radical Islam wrong? And especially their treatment of women. On what basis? I don't like it. We, we never did it that way. You don't have much of a foundation, do you? But if there is a God and a universal moral law of God, you've got a foundation to declare these ideas false and an anchor upon which to stand. As our belief in God is absolutely vital, without it, a culture quickly embraces false ideologies. George Barna, who does surveys of evangelical churches throughout the West, study after study after study shows that the vast majority of Christians today have embraced these dangerous and false ideas. More than ever in our post-Christian culture then, Christians must not only be able to articulate what they believe, but defend the message of truth of God's Word. Because there's tremendous consequences when a culture embraces false ideas. Now, the rejection of God leads to the embracing of false and dangerous ideas, which inevitably leads them to a rise of unrestricted immoral behavior, where sinful behavior now is promoted as normal. Verse 24, it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their body among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is forever blessed. Amen. Because they turned away from God and the truth of God, it says here, God gives them over to the impurities of their heart. And he says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for that error. The rejection of God leads to the embracing of false ideas. Then immorality runs rampant. And it says here, God gives them over to their passion. The term give over there in the Old Testament is used when God hands Israel over to her enemies. God allows disobedient men and women, if they want to and insist on doing so, to continue in and to plunge more deeply into the sin and sinful ways that they have freely chosen to go. The picture is that of God holding on to a person who's being taken down in a flooded stream and God is hanging on to him. But the person being taken under by the strong undertow is shouting, let me go, let me go. I want to go this way. Let me go. And eventually God says, okay. And he lets him go and allows the force of the stream to take them down the destructive path. God gives them over because they embrace the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And the sin of homosexuality is highlighted here. Paul says, women exchange natural relations, describing a reversal of God's design. 
What is natural is men with women, women with men. That's how God designed it. Homosexuality here is labeled as unnatural and at the beginning of this clause as sinful passions. So the perversion of sex is connected with the rejection of God and the embracing of idolatry and false ideas. No nation has ever stood that has altered or destroyed the oldest institution of society, marriage, and the family. That is an institution which is the oldest institution, and it was not created by man. It was created by God. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find a donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.